Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode of The Bullpen Cart, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. Just me this week, but I still cover everything that happened in this past week of the baseball season. Hot and cold teams, individual player awards, and a stadium snack for you. But as always, please like and share the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thunderblog Sports is the handle on those platforms. But as always, enjoy this week's episode. Thanks. And we are live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bullpen Cart. I, of course, am the G-Man, a solo pod tonight. First solo pod in a while, as uh, both Maddie D, Greg the Prophet Piatelli, and uh, all the others who normally join me are a little tied up this week. Recording this uh, on a Thursday night, as I have been in the month of August. Uh, in this weird vacation month that is recording a little early, so it's as most solo pods, if you're new to it, aren't ter- aren't really that long in comparison to what we do. Usually about a thirty to forty five minute pod. I'll try to keep it there for you, uh, but nonetheless, going back to a little bit earlier roots of just me by myself. So I hope you enjoy it. But got a great show for you, breaking down the week that was in baseball, week nineteen in the books. We are pretty close to 40-man rosters. They expand next Friday, as that'll be September 1st. Be interesting there to see how teams go left and right, every which way. But before we do that, we got a lot of stories. We still got the trade trade waiver wire deadline, as we saw it last night with the Red Sox acquiring Rajah Davis. Immediately get into that, and I'll get into some of the bigger stories that happened today, Thursday, August 24th. Trade or the Roger Davis waiver trade, good move by the Red Sox, adding a little more depth. We've seen it now with the Dodgers going out and getting Curtis Granderson, which they did last week after Greg and I got week 18 in the books. It's an interesting play. It's something that I think pays off in the long run in terms of what you're going out to get and really making a long, deep, deep postseason run. Uh, it should pay off. Maybe not a, as great as you've seen the Dodgers immediately get. Curtis Granderson hit a home run the other night. But it's still a great, great move. You have young players in their outfield. Um, and you're getting a, an experienced outfielder who got close a couple years ago with the A's on that great team they had. But he still got a lot of experience. He'll He'll bring a lot to that Red Sox team. I like the move. I like the Granderson move to the Dodgers. I think that's awesome. Uh, we'll get we'll get to that, but I got to talk about the fight today. The Yankees and the Tigers got into a little brawl. Uh, Mel or not Melky Miguel Cabrera <laughs> started a little fight, and uh, you know honestly, this is something that that may have been missing from baseball. We've seen some interesting things go on even in the last week with the umpire protests of. Baseball players just being fucking nuts. And that's something that we have seen here. Um, You know, I mean, whether or not who's right and in the wrong, you can take whatever side you'd like. Go check out the fight. You can can really digest it a little bit there. 
But it's something that I think at least seeing a brawl that kicks eight players out of a game, we haven't gotten something to that degree. And the Tigers have kind of fallen out of it a little bit. Um, you know, the Royals, the even the Twins kind of hanging in there by threads comparatively and the Indians doing their Indian things. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to see all of that kind of boil up. The, the Tigers are eight and or two and eight rather in their last 10 games, really falling out of it. Um, I say that the twins are hanging on by a thread, even though they're ahead of the Royals, but you know, the Yankees, they're, they're fighting for a playoff spot. They lost ultimately in the game six to 10, but it's an, an interesting story that comes out of it, something that we've seen less and less of as the years have gone on. Um, you can get into whether or not that's the Bryce Harper goose gossage argument that's happened from the last couple of years. Uh, but, you know, things things happen. These kind of things happen. We'll get, we're will get we going to jump right into hot and cold teams, though. My hot team of the week, I'm going to steal a page right out of Greggy P's book and go with the Milwaukee Brewers. Greg, I believe, took them as his hot team last week, and I'm going to jump right on there. They've kept themselves, albeit now three and a half games back of the Cubs, but they're still right in that NL Central race, and they're tightening the gap more and more with Greg's cold teams from last week, the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. I'll get to who mine are in a second, but now Cubs right back into it. They, of course, were the NL Central leaders for so long, and kind of fallen off just a bit. Um, you know, we've seen, of course, the Cubs riding a five-game winning streak. They're currently up right now on the Reds. They could make that six games and maybe even expand that lead a little bit. But the Brewers are fighting for their lives. They've kept themselves right into it. Not my cold team of the week, but the Cardinals have kind of stayed pat. They, along with the Diamondbacks and Rockies, went four and six in their last 10. I think the Cardinals have the assets to go further than the the Brewers do. So I, I think this flip-flop of second to third is is a temporary flop. Um, a close runner-up from my cold team of the week is the Pirates. Greg and I talked about last week how they were kind of hanging around, could potentially make a run at the wild card. They seem like they've really fallen apart. 10, they, they've won their most recent game. A terrible road record despite actually being pretty good at home. Uh, but they're now five games under 500, four games, uh, four and three and a half, excuse me, behind the Cardinals in the central, eight games total behind the Cubs in the division. It's doable. We've seen teams do that. What's up, 2007 Phillies? It's tough when there's a lot of, a lot of teams jammed up in there and kind of a, a fun little NL runner up for hot team of the week. The Miami Marlins just took three out of four out of the Phillies. Um, but seven and three in their last 10, they're now 500 at 63 and 63. And they're, they're not too far back. They're actually a game behind the Cardinals. Um, in total, they're actually five and a half out of the Rockies for the second wild card spot. It's doable, especially if the Braves, Mets, and Phillies really, really just limp their way down the stretch through September. But, you know, who knows? I mean, Giancarlo Stanton's been on a tear in the last couple of weeks. Did it again this series against the Phillies in a surprisingly high-scoring affair. But I'll, I'll get to that when I talk about the Phils. Over in the American League, I decided to split it up this way um, just a bit. 
But I, I'm, I'm going to give the American League hot team of the week. Got to give it to the Yankees. Despite what the Red Sox are doing, the Yankees losing today, of course. But they've, despite now being five games back of the Boston Red Sox, are still hanging in there. They're still the wild card, t- wild card team to beat at 68 and 58. Red Sox now 73 and 53. You know, I think, I don't know necessarily if the Aaron Judge breaking his strikeout record breaking streak is a sign. I, I, I don't think it is, but it's something where you could have easily seen a young team fall apart and you've seen the Yankees rebound and they're safely three games up right now on the twins for the first wild card spot. The twins taking the second one by a half game over the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim of California of America, North America of the world. And, you know, and, and then the Mariners are actually a like half game behind them. And, and we're seeing, you know, all of this unfold. The second wild card spot is an absolute log jam. And you could try to give one of those teams the cold team of the week in the American League. Um, but I, I, I mean, you could give it to the Tigers. You could also throw out, I mean, they're, the, they're easily by record the coldest team in the American League. You almost have to give it to the Tampa Bay Rays of all teams. And even there, it's I mean, we kind of gave it to them last week. That's when they really fell out. But all the other teams are, are doing what they're supposed to do. They're, they're winning where they can. They're all staying there. And it is. It's an absolute logjam. Second wild card team, like I said, you got the Twins at 65 and 61. Behind them, the Mariners a half game behind them. The Rangers and Royals a half game behind both of them. Then you actually have the Tampa Bay Rays, who are, I think now, unfortunately, three games out. But, I mean, really, the American League is starting to really find its level, like we talked about last week, falling to the average. There's a big, big, big mass of teams in the middle. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the next week goes. We'll look at the next next week's schedule, see how everything kind of filters out. you got a few games in the AL um, that were today, some tonight, that could maybe change that. The big one is, is of course, the Red Sox-Indian C- series that Greg and I talked about last week. That's it's going on right now. Currently, the Indians are up 4-1, top of the third inning there. Um, but, you know, so moving on, for those that have come on to our program from either Game of Thrones or from the College Football Podcast that Greg and I, or that Matty D and I put out last week, Apologies to both of you for confusing each other. But we like to give out team awards, hot teams, cold teams. We then also like to give out individual awards. So the first one that we give out, named after the main character from both the book and film, The Natural, the Roy Hobbs MVP of the week. And for me, there's a lot of different ways that you can sort of skin this cat, if you will. Um, you know, you can go hitting, you can go pitching. I like to prefer hitting. Um, I could go Homer picks like Greg has a little bit. Sorry, Greg, got to give you that knock a little bit. I like to try to save it for, uh, you know, the team, team talk then, (laughs) but enough, you know, crapping on my co-host when he's not here. I'm going to go and give a nod to, to a few players that are not necessarily right in the race. But it's fun to see these guys hanging out right with their teams. 
Uh, before I get to my main pick, a few runners up, and these are the guys I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about Freddie Freeman, Brandon Phillips, Ender Inciarte of the Atlanta Braves, a trio of players, all of whom have collected over 12 hits in the last week. Uh, you know, I mean, the Braves, we, we, I don't think really ever talk about them on this podcast because they haven't really done a ton four and six in the last 10. So no real reason to bring them up in the team section of the pod, but nonetheless, when these guys, bigger names are doing very well, you know, they, they each have, you know, a couple homers to their name, a lot of RBIs in Ciarte, great hitter does very well for himself. It's nice to see Freddie Freeman coming back up there much as that pains me to say Brandon Phillips still providing leadership, if you will. Uh, but that th- those guys are, are sort of runners up. Another one that's, that's worth noting. I mentioned the, the Rangers earlier being right back in the thick of things. Sinsu Chu leading the way there, batting 444 with 12 hits, a homer, five ribbies, a stolen base. And uh, he's, wa- he's walked twice and struck out eight times. So that's a little ugh, iffy, but his OPS is over a thousand. So you got to give him the nod there. Guy I'm going to go with, though, of my MVP of the week is going to be Joe Maurer. It's been a while since we've talked about Joe Maurer. Really, he's done a good job of putting himself in the right place for his team. It's on 34 ABs. That's a 382 batting average. A few extra base hits, few walks, not a ton of strikeouts, no real power numbers, no homers, a couple doubles. Um, but he scored a few runs, and and I mean, the, we talked about how the Twins are kind of hanging on. They're kind of right there. They have a few other batters that are helping them out here. Eduardo Escobar, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Polanco right there. But it's nice to see Maurer back in there, and it, you got to give credit where credit is due. Other guys in, in sort of the quote-unquote meaningful spots in terms of uh, teams that are right in the thick of things in the playoff chase you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, what I like to do, I like to sort by hits and, and kind of sift through there. But the next guy that you got to come down to is, is probably Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce is batting 265 in the last in the last week. Traded from the Mets, of course, to the Cleveland Indians. Hitter of the week. They've had an interesting week playing the Red Sox. He's hit three homers, though. And on top of really Jorge Polanco or Josh Harrison, that's, you know, tied for the tops. Uh, you look at Charlie Blackman, there's another one that's helping out, but the the Rockies haven't really done a ton to pick him up. Uh, he he does have seven runs, but you know, I, I'd probably look at Jay Bruce next. Seven runs himself, three homers, um, which really when you look at it, he's gotten on base 10 times in the last week and he scored in seven of those appearances. That's as many times as he struck out um, in terms of on base versus striking out which is funny but he's knocked in seven runs he scored seven himself and 10 10 on base appearances that's a pretty good run for for yourself there um but moving on we we go to the billy chapel pitcher of the week um billy chapel of course being kevin costner's character in one of his many many baseball movies he does for the love of the game which we never really talked about for really the movies themselves you know, the natural is of course a classic. We get to a few other few other uh, movies. We get to the Henry Go- Rowan Garner next. That's for Rookie of the Week. But for the love of the game is an interesting movie that that's never really talked about a ton. Not the best baseball movie out there by imagination. Uh, it's Kevin Costner, 
basically over the course of a, of a game that he's pitching as a Detroit Tiger, uh, older veteran pitcher. Uh, but Vin Scully's in the movie. Really interesting kind of cast there. John C. Riley actually plays Kevin Costner's catcher. And I think he did his own stunts. Uh, I think I've told this story before. But um, a spoiler alert if you have any interest in going to see the movie. Uh, <laughs> John C. Riley, in halfway through the movie, he's running the bases and he must have been doing his own stunts. He rounds third base and is red in the face, panting, puffing as he's charging at a home and scores and continues to pant and puff. And you kind of get the classic John C. Riley at the end, towards the end of the movie, you see him get hammered and he's like, Oh, Kevin, I love you. You know, very much like stepbrothers up. You know, I'm not really in the place to do a, to try to do an impression. Uh, sometimes I try to fail epically. Uh, Greg, that's my knock to you for this. You could have gotten me to do it. Be mad at Greg. Everybody boo Greg. Ooh. Uh, but my Billy Chapel player of the week. Sorry for that tangent. As nice as it would be to try to give it to Rich Hill and by extension Chase Utley for his almost perfect game last night. Uh, Got to at least acknowledge it. 14 innings pitched over the last week. Had that, you know, had close to a second win. Um Strikeouts, I believe that's close to tops for the week, um, or at least in terms of innings pitched. But the guy I'm going to go with is Chris Archer. He pitched only 13 innings, only was able to convert one win, but he had a whip of .77, an ERA of 2.08. He had 20, um, 20 strikeouts on the week, and that's only letting up four earned runs, six of them total, but only nine hits and one walk, a lot of control, huge strikeout to walk ratio. Obviously, it's 20, one over 20 for those that are uh, a little slow on the division. But, you know, this was a big week for the strikeout players. Luis Severino, we talked earlier about the young Yankee team could have blown up. Severino was somebody Greg and I at the beginning of the season weren't sure about. It was somebody I thought was going to get lit up. He actually had himself a pretty awesome week. 17 Ks, two wins on 13 innings himself. A sub one ERA. A little bit higher of a whip. He could also be a great pick. I am a little par partial to Chris Archer. Don't want to give the Yankees too much love. Sorry, Dad. But um, other guys to give a nod to. Looking over in the National League, you got Patrick Corbin. 16.2 innings. That's over eight innings a start only 13 strikeouts. He did get both wins. Uh, only one run allowed in those 16 innings, a whip of, of basically two thirds 0.66 ERA of 0.54. You also got rich Hill, as I mentioned, and Matt Moore of the giants in that unfortunate season for the giants. Uh, but, uh, Matt Moore at least was able to pitch a lot, a decent amount of innings had less than one whip for it. 13.1 innings. He let it, he let up six walks, seven hits. So a little bit less than one there, but that, you know, looking there, you, you got a lot of different guys that are really starting to fire RA Dickey coming out of the woodwork, even though he let up a lot of runs, Mike fires had an, had himself a nice week, which is nice for him to bounce back. Um, Irvin Santana isn't really going away like that. Uh, 
Minnesota Twins team hanging on a little bit, but kind of hinges on how the pitching staff does. But moving on, we got the Henry Go- Rowan Garner Rookie of the Week. You know, I, I gave Greg a lot of crap for being a homer, and I'm not going to give my homer pick because I'm going to talk about Reese in a little bit. But Reese Hoskins, may, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it in. I'm getting too excited, guys. Trying to contain it. Might not sound like it because I'm really trying to contain it. I want to sound professional here. But rookies, of course, have had a huge impact. We've talked a lot about Aaron Judge and what he's been able to do and, and the unfortunate run he's had now. Now really at about a week and a half, he he broke his strikeout streak for those unaware he had a run that was him striking out and i believe it ended up being 38 games in a row strikeout record across the league uh but you know we've we've had a lot of nice stories with rookies a lot of rookies coming up baseball's very young the ultimate question of who's the face of baseball and, and all these different things um but you know i won't jump into that too deep we got some guys that have had great weeks we'll talk about reese hoskins when we get to the phillies my rookie of the week and this is actually a really tough one to pick but i'm gonna go i'm gonna give i can't believe i'm gonna say this but i'm gonna give the mets some love i'm gonna give it to ahmed rosario he went nine for 28 a 321 batting average on the week a homer a triple few ribbies a couple stolen bases Strikes out a little more than you want, but they're rookies. They're still learning. Um, another one you could give a shout-out to is Boog Powell, Oakland A's, named after the uh, Baltimore Oriole, Hall of Fame Baltimore Oriole. And speaking of, the A's were in Baltimore this week. Boog Powell hit his first career home run, and he hit it right at Boog's Barbecue in Camden Yards. Crazy story there. Can't really make this kind of stuff up, but I'm going to move right on to my Phillies update. It was a bit of a rough week, guys. For those who are Phillies fans like myself, at it, we just wrapped up a th- four-game series, a, cl- a traditional doubleheader on Tuesday that was an absolute slugfest, grand total of scored for the Marlins 12 for the Phillies that's 31 31 on the series or on the doubleheader Phillies win last night eight nothing and today it looked like they'd split the series they blow a three eight to three lead ultimately fall nine to eight lose the series three one to the Miami Marlins as John Carlos Stanton hit his 47th home run today but I mentioned Reese Hoskins made his debut a couple weeks ago against the New York Mets and finally, or not even finally, he had his first home run last week and he hasn't done anything since except hit home runs. The guy is on absolute fire, hit a 451 foot blast last night into the second deck in left field at Citizens Bank Park, which I've only seen a few baseball players do. Those names include Giancarlo Stanton and Joanna Cespedes. Nice company to be in. Hoskins in the last week, 391, four homers, 11 ribbies, seven walks, seven walks. 
That's a 533 on base percentage with a double on top of the four homers. That's a 957 slugging percentage and a 1490 OPS. Oh my God, is he great. Sorry, I need to contain it, but <laughs> it's been fun. It's the really the only thing that we have as Phillies fans. We've also seen Jorge Alfaro, excuse me, really getting a lot more playing time, which is exciting to see. The future of catching in Philadelphia is here. Nick Williams, my guy, had himself a nice week as well, batting 269. The Phillies ultimately come away on the week three and four. They host the Cubbies this week, which is, um, you know, it's the Cubs. So you got to you gotta take it what it is. I'm going to be going down tomorrow night, I believe. Got to confirm that. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun seeing the Cubs. It's the players weekend. So you're going to see all these crazy, crazy jerseys that are going on. Greg and I talked about that a couple weeks ago. If you missed that, check it out. It was two weeks ago. So the week 17 recap. Um, and, you know, I, I'm actually pretty excited to see how it goes. I think the Phillies hats are pretty awesome, um, but we'll, we'll we'll see you know how it all goes. Ultimately, you know the Cubs are they're pretty good, so <laughs> it will um, be an interesting series nonetheless. The Phillies, though, I mean they got a lot of young talent. The rosters expand in a week. The big question is whether or not JP Crawford's going to be one of the guys that come up. We'll have to see who is the ultimate, you know, who ultimately does and does not come up. I don't have the 40-man roster in front of me. I, you know, you can probably Google search it. Um, but, you know, they, they still have a little bit of time to tweak it and, and figure out who they do ultimately want to come up and, and give some experience to. The big thing, if you're wondering why we talk about experience, why you hear this and, and why this really matters, it does can, you know, it really is important to see major league hitting, but the other side of it on a business end is the fact that the way that how rookies work, and this was kind of what you saw a couple years ago with Chris Bryant, where the Cubs ultimately waited until the middle of April to call him up, didn't have him on their their opening day roster in 2015. Basically, how it works is that it's not by how many seasons you play or how many games really you play in. It's how many days of, quote, MLB service that you have that designates whether or not you're a rookie. Um, there is, I think, an at-bats maximum you can have before rookie status is taken away the following year. But I, September call-ups don't affect that, but they do affect days of service, which is why this kind of stuff can get tricky. Um and that's really where it comes down to a lot. So I don't necessarily see the Phillies making a huge deal out of it, nor do they have a guy that's Chris Bryant worthy. But it'll be interesting to see how they they go forth with it. They've had a lot of movement up and down with the Iron Pigs, with the Fighting Phils. But it'll be exciting to see who ultimately comes up there. I've been excited to see Alfaro. I've loved Reese, and when as soon as he got called up, I knew I had to go. I, I already had plans to go see the Mets, but I was excited to see him come up, and I'm glad he started to come on. Um, and I say, quote, come on, and he's hit however many home runs in his first 14 games, but he he was hitless in his first three. So that that's where I'm coming from for those not aware. Um, but 
enough about the Phillies. We move on. Fan favorite, the stadium snacks section. And everybody loves getting food at stadiums, for those unaware and not familiar with our segment. Greg wasn't a huge fan of doing football last week or of me talking about a stadium snack at an Eagles game, so I'll just keep it at baseball. I'm going to do that. But I'm going to go with week. An interesting one that, that kind of gets back to whether or not it is truly baseball. It's the tuna poke, poke bowl. It's for those unaware of what poke bowl is, it's it's a Japanese dish that usually is is rice, some type of raw fish, in this case tuna, some raw veggies, you mix them up together. It's pretty great. It's it's um I, I'm not gonna try to mix you know different cultures, but it's almost the Comparatively to a sushi, if you compare a sushi and a taco as both being wrapped or a burrito, rather, a burrito and a sushi roll both wrapped in, inside of something, and then the Chipotle burrito bowl. This is this is kind of that equivalent. You know, to, to make a basic connection, of course, there's different principles and whatnot. I don't want to not going to try to connect cultures here. I don't want to get on that line. No, but I appreciate both. It, it, prefacing done. Um, but as somebody that's actually, I lived in Chinatown in, in Philadelphia for a couple of years and had poke bowl a, a number of times. It's an interesting stack snack to have at a stadium. I, I'm not really a huge fan of, of stadium snacks that you have to eat with a fork, with a fork knife spoon. Um, of course, getting an ice, getting ice cream out of the, the helmet hat is, is probably the only exception to my rule. Um, but I mean, it's, it's usually a pretty tasty treat or really meal it's not you know not a dessert by any means but you know if you're ever out in dodger stadium and have this i'd be really interested to seeing how this tastes i'm wondering if it's just vendor vendor added whether or not they have aramark or someone else or if they actually hired a company to come in and, and give their own you know different foods and whatnot to to the poke um so somebody you know if somebody out there knows feel free to shoot us a DM, a message anywhere, um, you know, on Twitter, Thunder BLG, on Facebook or Instagram, Thunderblog Sports, the website itself, thunderblogsports.com. But yeah, that's that's stadium snacks. I don't have a bleacher creature for this week. If you do have one or a stadium snack, please feel free to send them along, you know, to the social media sites. Bleacher creatures, for those unaware, are crazy baseball fans. We kind of had our, you know, crazy baseball players in the fight itself. So we won't get back to that segment beer corner. Um, I've talked about yingling in the past, but that's what I'm drinking while I'm doing our pod tonight. Had a nice little sip there, but we move on. I'm going to start wrapping things up. Like I said, usually the solo pods are about 30, 35 minutes going to look at the next, at the, the weekend ahead. And then next week itself, little housekeeping unsure of when exactly I'm going to come back to baseball. Um, Matt and I are working very, very hard at getting the college football previews up and running. Going to have to start doing NFL at some point as well. Baseball, of course, there's still plenty of baseball to be played. Probably would come back next Thursday as the preseason wraps up for football. So it might work out to do baseball that night, but stay tuned. Just follow, follow us on all the different social medias, and we'll uh, we'll keep you posted there. But looking at baseball this weekend, 
a few different intriguing series to go around. One I think really intriguing just in the fact of seeing who cares one way or the other, uh, almost a show-me game for the Angels, is them hosting the Houston Astros. The reason why I say who cares one way or the other is is it almost like the the Astros kind of just let this series go that you know they're on the road they're traveling west or further west from texas from central time to the pacific coast and kind of just and of course you never really want to do that but you know how hard do they play comparatively to a team that is fighting for their lives in the los angeles angels of anaheim and it'd be interesting to see there but one that that's definitely really interesting to see how that'll play out is the mariners coming in new york that's a possible wild Card matchup, verb, I guess not verbatim, but on paper, the Mariners could ultimately take that second wild card spot. They're right there. And then Yankees, if all things hold true, would host it. So this is something, uh, uh, not necessarily a show me game, but an important game to see the Mariners and how they do against these playoff caliber teams. And it'll be, it'll certainly be a, a series to watch out for. Um, the have a few others that are kind of around there in the same vein as the Angels hosting the Astros. The Brewers coming out to LA. The Dodgers have been so hot. It, they just might mow over the Brewers and and you know start to knock the Brewers kind of out of things. But who knows the way the Brewers have been playing? Could be a really interesting series, especially towards the end of the series, as we'd see you Darvish versus Jimmy Nelson on Sunday afternoon. Um, Mets Nationals, which it's sad to see how the Mets have gone. Uh, it's kind of that same story that you see sometimes with Monday Night Football on ESPN that games that should have been great on paper are ultimately kind of faltering out towards the end of the year because of unfortunate injuries. Um, but moving on to next week, the midweek schedule, uh, to watch out for one that's actually really really intriguing especially the way that they've been playing i hate to double up on the text on the uh houston astros but that's them against the texas rangers the rangers are right back in it kind of in the same note as the la angels the rangers really got to show up they got to really start playing well put the pedal to the metal and really get it going and that's something that that this is a series certainly that kind of proves they deserve to be there one that's that's a big heavyweight matchup is the Yankees versus the Indians. Of course, the Indians playing the Red Sox this week. They get the Blue Bombers next week, and uh, I mean they're they're in New York City. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, they got some some good pitching matchups in, in there. Uh, the most notable one I can see is probably Trevor Bauer versus Jamie Garcia. Uh, but you know, watch out for that series. And, and how it goes there, it could have an impact on either where the Yankees sit or where the Indians sit if the Twins and, and the Royals keep playing well. And, and on that same note, the Royals host the Rays next week. The Rays have kind of fallen out of it, but the Royals can certainly, they certainly still need to navigate these waters well. One that's definitely of the utmost importance to keep an eye out on, though, and probably the most important series of the next week the Milwaukee Brewers hosting the St. Louis Cardinals. 
And uh, Tuesday night's probably the big pitching matchup. Matt Garza versus Adam Wainwright. The the tale of the ageless pitching wonders. Uh, but as we've noted, they're neck and neck in the NL Central, and that could have a huge impact on that race, the wild card race, and really the landscape of where the National League goes. But that's going to do it for me this week, guys, at least for baseball. Um, not sure when we're going to come back for football, potentially Saturday, um, but I'm not going to make any promises there. Hopefully come back Sunday for Game of Thrones, maybe Monday night. But keep an eye out on the social media. Like I said, ThunderBLG is our Twitter account. Thunderblog Sports is our Facebook and Instagram handles. ThunderblogSports.com, of course, is our presenting site. But if you do think I missed anything, if you want me to talk about your team, your favorite players, stadium snacks, bleacher creatures, beers for the beer corner, crazy baseball players, or really anything in the baseball world, please don't hesitate to let me, Matty D, Greg Piatelli, Stevie G, or anybody that you know that blog. But that'll do it for me for ThunderBlogSports.com and the bullpen cart. I am Jordy Cannell. Have a good night, everybody, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks again.